This program is sponsored by Wicked, Chronic, and Natick, Massachusetts. Located at 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommons.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. The Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV series in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And tonight on the show, we're covering two more episodes of The Addams Family. Back to our two regular episodes, hopefully with no complications this time. We talk about, we cover a dilemma with Morticia and the first Christmas episode for The Addams Family. And it is a very... 60s, 70s television-style Christmas episode, and we'll talk about it when we get there. Mrs. Zellner kind of has the, uh, some information about the Adams Family for us. Today's focus area is on Favorite Haunts, published in 1976 by Simon & Schulster. Of the 104 drawings in the book, 95 were previously published in the New Yorker magazine. One cartoon was published in 1976 by Town & Country, so there's only eight new cartoons in this book. The European version spells favorite with the English spelling, adding the U before the R. The cover is an old lady using an aerosol spray can like she's chasing a ghost with it. The U.S. cover has the Adams Family at their mansion, under the porch, with a snowy landscape and surreal conditions. A mini man is ice skating in the birdbath, and a real man is melting out of a snowman. Very surreal. But if you are looking for cartoons of the family members, you'd really be disappointed. There's only four images in this book, but none of them have the whole family. Two with only Fester, one with only Pugsley, and one with Morticia and Wednesday ordering a doggy bag for the vultures. I own this book, and really most of the cartoons feature the Charles Adams surrealism. He even has a cartoon in there that specifically references surrealism, featuring a surreal-looking bookshelf in the library. The dust cover backside has a cute image of Alice B. Kerr, Charles Adams's faithful little dog. So I'm going to talk a little bit about her. Alice B. Kerr, or Alice the medium-sized dog, as Charles called her, she was a mutt, but probably had some Springer Spaniel and Beagle in there. She also had an old-looking face, like a Victorian-era pet with a very wiry coat. She was mostly white with brown spots, a cute dog, but not a soft dog. Alice was a shelter dog, Charles Adams actually visited her at the shelter multiple times before he purchased her. He introduced his friend Frank Modell to her after a Friendsgiving dinner in 1970, 
but really had no intention of buying her until the shelter worker said that the dog really doesn't like children. That won over Charlie immediately, and he said, I'll take it. Alice Beecher hated children or anyone of child height. She once menaced Hervé Vizquez, the 3'11 actor that played in Fantasy Island. For the most part, she was a sweet dog, and Charles Adams loved and adored her. Alice moved step-by-step in tune with him, did tricks, and loved belly rubs. Charles Adams would sometimes sign her name to guest lists and on invitation, like she's human. He once said to a reporter, quote, It's just me and Alice against the world, unquote. His little dog Alice began showing up in the Charles Adams cartoons, too, which is exactly why I'm talking about her tonight. In Favorite Haunts, you can see three cartoons in the collection that have her in them. Since Charlie liked to drive fast, Alice was once thrown from the car during a sharp turn. She didn't want to be in the car with him again after that. Just too fast and scary. She didn't get hurt, just a bit shocked. She lived a long life as Charles Adams' treasured pet and died on June 11, 1987. That's 17 years they spent together, inseparable. That was riveting information about the Adams family, and now we're going to jump into the episode, Morticia's Dilemma. Morticia's Dilemma originally aired December 17, 1965. Don Javier Francisco de la Mancha Molinas arrives from Spain with his daughter Consuelo and chaperone in tow to joyfully honor a decades-old contract signed by the family's two grandfathers for marrying Gomez to Consuelo. A little deafness and a slight language barrier doesn't help straighten out the purpose of John Javier's visit, nor assert a quick clarification that Morticia is not Gomez's sister, which brings Gomez's marital fidelity into question. So this episode actually begins with Morticia and Gomez playing with a bullwhip. One of my specialties. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's kind of interesting that they're using the bullwhip. Um, Morticia's uh, practicing with it. Um, it uh, every time yeah, I she's, see a bullwhip, the, the whole goal me. is she's she's trying to flick the ash off of Gomez's cigar, but unless you're like super super adept at it, that is severely dangerous. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Uh, we get some uh, information that some people from Spain are going to come visit the Adams family. Um, Fester's not in this episode. The only reason I wrote this down is because he went to the south with his polo team. Yeah, I didn't what? know Uncle Fester. I, I didn't know Uncle Fester played polo. I didn't know Uncle Fester socialized with anybody outside the Adams family. Well, I mean, he's got all those pen pals. So the the women and the uh, team, the, the the group of um, people from Spain, Spaniards. What, what what do you call people from Spain? Spaniards. Spaniards. Okay, it is called Spaniards. They think that Gomez and Morticia are the Lannister twins. Dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, bringing up the Lannisters again. Yes, yes. They because uh, Don Javier doesn't really hear clearly, uh, and there is uh, that language barrier. You know, a little bit. In this episode, they do a lot of the back and forth between English and Spanish with rhyming words. And it's multiple times throughout this episode where you'd be like, see, we, gee, you know, and and it just kind of goes on from character to character in in these bits where they're confused about the language, what's going on, and then the final understanding, the final understanding of what's going on is, uh, not really beneficial to the end goals. Why do? Yeah, so uh, first, why, why does the woman want to marry Gomez? Is she betrothed to him? Yes. Okay. Uh, in this episode, it's revealed that 
Don Javier and Gomez's grandfather signed a blood oath to join their families with their grandchildren. So Consuela and Gomez were betrothed from practically birth, I think. Uh, interesting. I love how Morticia is led to believe that Gomez is going to cheat on her, and because she starts overhearing Gomez has wives everywhere, she doesn't really yeah. get the greatest advice ever. It happens to be from uh, Grandmama, who Gomez says is a skateboarder. I didn't realize skateboarding was a big thing in the 1960s. I thought that was a thing in the 70s. You know, I don't really know when skateboarding became big, but uh, he is, in this episode, uh, riding a skateboard, and it is the small versions of skateboards. It's not like a long board. It's not like the boards that you can buy decks for today. It's the small board that's basically just above the size of your foot, which is kind of an older style of skateboard. So it is, you know, period accurate, I suppose. The first misunderstanding where Gomez sees Consuela, but it's not actually Consuela, it's the duenna, uh, the chaperone. So the duenna doesn't have, I don't think, any lines in this episode, uh, but she does do a little bit of a giggle when she is introduced to Morticia. And, it's, and it stuck out to me because she giggles like she is really infatuated with Morticia. It's like, like <laughs> and then she just kind of, you know, looks aside, looks down to the side and, and crunches her shoulders up, you know, and, and giggles. She's actually really attracted to Morticia. I love the newspaper, which I would like to know how Morticia got that newspaper printed, or she, was it by chance she found a newspaper that said, Jealous wife shoots husband. Of course, Gomez thinks that's really messy. They must have a terrible maid. Poison is so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> you don't have to get blood off your carpet. <laughs> For a woman who adhors violence, as she has put said many a times when Uncle Fester's running around with his musket, she's absolutely going, it seems like she's going to shoot uh, Gomez. It's gotten to that point in her, in her mind, because like Cousin It suggests that she kills Gomez several times, and uh, as Gomez is not picking up the hints that she's dropping about bigamy and jealous wife kills husband and you know all of these hints that she's dropping gomez is completely oblivious because he has no idea that that's what's on her brain they're not communicating this when he says that i've got girls in this town and this town and my my girl in the in madrid tried to look for you and uh he's really talking about people that work in his office and so Calling, like, the secretary or assistant your girl was kind of a, a, a thing back in the day, but it's not really I, – I honestly don't think it was seen as a good um, term of endearment for an employee. Say that last part again. I don't think it was a good term of endearment for an employee. Unless you were Maggie Gyllenhaal, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but that's like a relationship was instated there, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the duenna is basically a chaperone and uh, traditionally kind of an overseer of the betrothed so that uh, no shenanigans and, you know, virginity can remain intact and all of that. 
How do you that. check to make sure virginity is intact? Do, do, was there ever anybody's job to actually do that? And I'm assuming there was. Well, virginity checks were kind of common to these type of arranged marriages. It, it like I, I should state this out loud right now that the hymen is not the end all be all of checking someone's virginity. Oh, Sir, okay. Well, it is, I'm it assuming is it is because that's I, I assumed it was because. No, no. You can actually break a hymen by anything, like riding a, a horse. Yeah. You, oh yeah, yeah. That, not... that, that I know. That, that yeah, yeah. That 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 and, I'm aware of. And the first time you have sex, it doesn't necessarily mean you break the hymen because it is just a, a piece of flesh that does stretch. So it's not perfect. It's okay. not a symbol. By the way, Senior Caradona, Cardo, Car, Cardo, Cardo, Cardania, uh, shows up to play guitar. I thought he was dressed like a matador at first, but I realized, no, not quite. Um, he just happens to have that's, that kind of jacket. That's because he's a flamenco dancer instructor. Flamenco dance instructor. Thing makes wine by grabbing grapes and then pulling up a bottle. I thought that was amazing. He must be Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and we've seen Thing do instant wine before. You know, it it's something that he does on occasion, uh, just like he plays the occasion. When they find out they're not brother and sister, sorry, when they find out they're not brother and sister, and he's in fact married to Morticia, they must duel, and he's the best duelist in the land. Of course, he's also the deafest greatest pistol what well it's <laughs> to be you... honest like if you were good at doing pistols and you did not use ear protection you're probably going to lose a little hearing you know pistols are quite loud the dowry that uh is basically in flux here the iou for one million pesetas uh the spanish peseta just a little note here is actually obsolete it's no longer used in spain uh, that was replaced by the euro on January 1st, 1999. And 1 million pesetas in 1965 is actually the equivalent of $53,013.04 in today's money. Oh, wow. Um, they, uh, they, they do the uh, pistols at 10 paces, which is not quite long enough for them to walk. They should be the opposite sides of the room. Yeah, yeah, and if you really counted, Gomez does like Gomez does like four steps, <laughs> and then these little tiny half steps, so it's not really ten paces. Right, and the pistols just happen to be loaded over the mantelpiece. Um, you know, it's the Adam's house. I yes, can, I can see that. Yeah. With children in the house, which we would never get away with in modern day television, even in an animated movie coming up. In any interpretation of the Adams Family in 2019, would you ever be able to get away with loaded weapons in a house with children? Not today. It, they, they couldn't even make a joke about that because of the amount of deaths that have happened uh, involving children and guns in the house. Yeah, that concept de definitely did not age well. No, they would actually have to load the weapon up and then do the joke with the 10 paces. I think you could still get away with the joke at 10 paces. Uh, with the guns, because it's it's played for comedic laughs, and no one's getting hurt, or if someone does get hurt, it's still played in a way that is like, you know, they would maybe break the fourth wall and be like, don't try this at home. Remember, always protect, you know, something funny like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. For a public service announcement kind of thing. I just, no. They shoot the chandelier, and the whole thing ends. Yeah, and, and it's because Consuela has really fallen for us in 
because Consuela has really follow, uh, fallen for Senor Cordova even before the chandelier falls on him. <laughs> and just like that, uh, Gomez is let out of the blood pact uh, that the grandfathers signed, and uh, Gomez, instead of instead of Don Javier giving the IOU, in giving the IOU to Senor Cordova, Gomez actually pays for the dowry himself. So in 1965 money, 1 million pesadas was only $6,650. So he would have that on him naturally, and which that's what he did. You know, Morticia pulls a wad of cash out of his, you know, coat pocket and gives it to them. A wad of cash. Yeah. I didn't know you can buy stock in cannonballs. I didn't know either. And in fact, I don't think you can, but <laughs> that's the stock that he didn't actually buy, even though it is rising exponentially. Morticia has a great line in this episode. The family that swaps together hops together. Huh. And she was, she was specifically talking about swapping the skateboard for the pogo stick. Right, right, right. Um, I guess Mama Ma is in the, uh, the suit of armor, but we don't know what actor is actually in the suit of armor. Yeah, because that's certainly not Blossom Rock that's actually in the suit of armor when you see the long shot. No, and she's standing behind the suit of armor earlier in the episode. She's clearly not in the suit of armor. By the way, do we have any information yeah. on IMDb about any of our uh, guests in the episode? I didn't get a chance to cover that or look it up. Yeah, yes, actually. Uh, the actress that plays Consuela, or her, her IMDb lists her as Yardina. This was only her second role. You know, she, I should say her first role, but she only had two roles in total. You know, this was only kind of a walk-on thing for her. So on her IMDb, all you see is the Adams Family, and then 1966 Mona Stop. McCluskey, and then one appearance on The Tonight Show in oh. 1971, and that's it. Okay, what about the uh, the uh, Conquistador and... Um... Sure. Um so Don Javier is played by Anthony Caruso, and he had a hugely big career, uh, spanning from 1940 until um, 1990. Uh, his last role was in The Legend of Grizzly Adams, <laughs> which I thought was kind of fun. But he's been on Gunsmoke, Star Trek, Get Smart, uh, The Magical World of Disney, My Three Sons, The Wild Wild West. Like a hugely long career, he does play um, Spaniards often. Um, I guess because of his, his look or whatnot. Rawhide, Gunsmoke, uh, Wagon Train. He was in those big westerns at the time. Uh, so long career there. The Duena uh, is played by Bella Brooke, and she her last role was on the Ugly Family TV movie, and then she was in The Facts of Life just before that in 1981. Uh, but her career started in 1958 with U.S. Marshall. She doesn't have a lot of big top uh, television shows on her IMDb. The Odd Couple, Rhoda, Love American Style, uh, One Episode of the Waltons. You know, just a bit part here and there. And our... Suave Senor Cordova. His name is Carlos Rivas, and uh, his career started 
1955 with an uncredited role as a police officer. But he's done a lot of um, people of color, uh, Native Americans, uh, Spaniards. Uh, he played um, in the craft suspense theater, the second in command of the Spanish Civil War. He was on Tarzan, Mission Impossible, The New Adventures of Zorro. Uh, he was actually a voice in that of Don Alejandro. So big career there. And I think that's that's all the people that we have in this episode, our guest stars. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with the Christmas episode of The Addams Family here on the Dead TV Podcast. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Got to give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? (laughs) Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. (laughs) Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. (laughs) Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Santa Claus, there's another Santa Claus there. Everywhere you look, you can't escape. There's Santas everywhere. Bells are ringing, children screaming. Something doesn't seem right. His beard is gray, and that's a nice toupee, but his eyebrows ought to be white. And we're back with the Christmas episode of The Adams Family on the Dead TV Podcast. Christmas with the Adams Family originally aired December 24th, 1965. Mr. Thompson next door tells Wednesday and Pugsley that there's no Santa Claus and the family volunteers Uncle Fester to play Santa for their benefit. But when he gets stuck in the chimney and is a no-show, the whole family sets to work to prove to the kids that there is a Santa Claus. As you said before, this is definitely one of those classic sitcom episodes where they're at the end of the episode there's like five santas <laughs> so uh and what was the what was the air date of this episode december 24th 1965 oh isn't that sweet so in the 1960s on your tv you got a, a christmas episode for the adams family yeah and this one even though it does play into a lot of the sitcom shenanigans, you know, multiple Santas, everyone gets in on the act, you know, the type of thing. We do see a little bit of fourth wall breaking. Morticia, at the very end, Morticia gets a cello uh, as a gift from Gomez, and she plays on the cello the da-da-da-dun, da-da. And she does that, so she is aware of the Adams Family theme song 
because she's playing it on the cello. And then at the very end of the episode, the family gets together and they say, we wish you, they sing, they sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas, but they're like directed at the camera. So it's not quite acknowledging that the fourth wall is being broken, but that's supposed to be directly to you to wish you a Merry Christmas because this is being aired on Christmas Eve. One of those things I found very interesting with this episode. The uh, There's also a continuity uh, problem in this episode because Fester mentions having known Gomez when he was a child. Gomez didn't meet Fester until he met Ophelia and Morticia. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the Adams family and the Frump family has been said throughout the series that they've been very close. So I'm not I, – I do believe that he didn't meet Gomez previously because of what was actually in the episode with uh, the, the marriage. But as for the, him being aware that Gomez is with the Adams family, perhaps he knew that. I'll, I'll give him a little bit of a pass on that. But, yeah, it is a, contu- a continuity error. Um, the kids are told that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Yes. And this is the same Mr. Thompson that told them, and it's referred to in this episode, that uh, witches were not real. Yeah. So so they are doing the complete, like, you know, throwback to a previous episode. This same guy says, oh, witches aren't real. Oh, Santa Claus isn't real. Put a stick in the mud. In the phone book, Morticia looks up cosmologist... Costumes and cosmonauts. What the <laughs> hell are you going to do with a cosmonaut in the phone book? I was thinking that, too. It's like, wh- what type of NASA space program would list cosmonauts in the yellow pages? But, of course, you know, they're, they're aiming for the funniest word you can possibly say that is beginning with a C that would appear. So she rents Uncle Fester a Santa Claus costume, and he ends up like Phoebe Cates' dad in Gremlins, which if you don't know that story, it's the darkest part of Gremlins, that she tells the story to Billy and Gizmo that the, how she found out there was no such thing as Santa Claus is her father broke his neck and died in the chimney trying to come down, and the fireman pulled his dead body out of the chimney, and that's how she found out there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Yeah. And unfortunately, I wish I could say that that didn't actually happen in real life, but that did actually happen in real life to a good number of people, especially when chimney sweeps were children. Uh, yeah. yeah, that happened to several people trying to help. You know, they, they wanted to give their children a Santa Claus, which the Adams Family does for Wednesday and Pugsley, who gets a bunch of arrows, a bunch of bows, and she gets the creepiest bunch of dolls to lop the heads off of. So she'll never run out of a doll to lop the head off of, at least. Well, you know, they did say that they're going to give their extra toys to needy children. But they got more presents when the real Santa Claus shows up as well. They do, but I, I choose to believe that they gave their extra dolls and the extra bows, because Pugsley could always use the arrows, uh, the extra bows to needy children. Who plays our street corner Santa Claus ringing the bell for the needy, who then gets $25,000 from Gomez to buy a bunch of turkeys for the soup kitchen? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, the actor's name is Greg Martell. His last credit was in 1970 for a TV movie called The Young Country. Uh, but previously, he was in The Wild Wild West, Mission Impossible, 
This one episode Wait of a minute. the Adams Who Family. Wait a who was he in uh, Mission Impossible, Wild Wild West? Those are two fantastic shows. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't a regular character oh, on the okay. Wild Wild West. He played little bit parts. Okay. So how many episodes was he on the Wild Wild West? Four. Oh, wow. Do you... Were you a fan of the Wild Wild West? It's been brought I up before. I love the Wild times. Wild West. I even love the Will Smith oh, Wild Wild West movie. Stop. No. God, no. Ugh. Yes. I just lost all respect for you. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure, man. Yeah, I'm going to give you your guilty pleasure in two seconds. Do you know what role Will Smith turned down to play that? What? Neo. He was okay. going to be Neo in the Matrix. He would have been in the Matrix trilogy because they wanted like you know cuz look at the look at look at the um look they wanted a young black uh star to, to, alongside an older black star for the matrix mm-hmm. that was their mentality behind it and a lot of people were like huge science fiction trilogy with two black actor leads yeah, yeah that that's never awesome. been done before didn't happen we got Keanu Reeves, who obviously, you know, that was his breakout role since, like, Speed. I mean, he nah, hadn't really done anything since Speed, I think. And, uh, I mean, he'd been in stuff, but nothing that is really going to well, pop in my head. As much as I would have loved to see Will Smith as Neo, you know, you can't actually discount Keanu Reeves going like, whoa. No, no. I no. know. And we wouldn't have John Wick like we do today. True. And, True. and the reason I bring this up is because... They just announced that a fourth Matrix movie is going into production now with Warner Brothers. Um, so the kids make a comment that Santa is either a woman or Grandmama is really a man. <laughs> uh, a funny joke that would not fly very well today because everyone's offended by everything and would just it would they no, would not find the humor in it. Well, you know, yeah, the, the, it is a joke that doesn't hold up. Um, but, yeah, the the kids aren't really, with the exception of the first one, which was Gomez uh, coming through the window, the kids are not fooled by any of these other Santas. And uh, it makes me think, like, were they really convinced that Gomez wasn't, or Gomez was Santa the first time? Because I, out of them all, Fester was the most realistic Santa when he finally comes down the chimney. Which, you know, he should have called out for Cousin It's help because Cousin It is in the chimney a lot. Um, but when Fester actually comes down, he changes his voice to be more Santa-like, and it's not that high-pitched Fester voice. It's actually really more convincing to me. I thought that, you know, having seen this episode a long, to- uh, you know, a long while ago, I thought that perhaps they were going to do the real Santa is there and, you know, then Fester comes down, uh, Fester appears out the door like, I got stuck in the chimney. But no, it, the whole reveal Stop. of Santa Claus, the whole reveal of Santa Claus is that Santa magically changed the tree from bare limbs to a nice evergreen with presents and tinsel galore. And none of them were responsible for it. So that's the magic of Santa Claus. One of the best Santa Claus movies I saw came out on Netflix this past Christmas. Which one? I forgot the name of it now. Oh, God damn it. I really did forget the name of it, but it stars Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. Huh. It's about a couple kids who um, every year they show them through the years celebrating Christmas with their family, with their mother, with their father, until their father, who is a fireman, dies in a fire. So Mm -hmm. two years have passed since Dad died in a fire. 
and the sister is still trying to celebrate Christmas. Mom is overworked as a nurse. Brother is getting in more and more trouble. Mm-hmm. So they run into Santa Claus, cause him to lose the sled and the, the sack, and they have to help him get it back. All the while, he is, you know, on a mission to, you know, steer this family back to the way it was. He can't give them what they want for Christmas, because he cannot bring the dead back to life. But he makes a point saying that your father is always alive because he's new and he'll always be there. And he gives them, like, a gift that will always remind him of their father. You know, it has a very, like, cheesy Christmas ending. But to see Kurt Russell playing Santa Claus is fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because he's in a restaurant. He's in a restaurant and he's trying to get help from people. And he is just naming people left and right. Like, how the hell do you know my name? Come on now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Santa's the uh, Santa's the omnipresent. Yeah, like uh, like the uh, the wait the uh, the the hostess at the restaurant or whatever. He he talks to her about like her wanting to give up on her career as a uh, a fashion designer, and he tells her not to do it. She's just like, I think I will apply to that school, and she's like, he's like, I think it will be beneficial to you if you do. <laughs> and in the very end, in a post credit scene, after he's finally come home, after he's delivered all his presents and he is relaxing, somebody comes walking in the front door, and it's Mrs. Claus, played by Kurt Russell's longtime girlfriend, Goldie Hawn. Aww. Yeah, which a lot of people were hoping that was going to be the case. It's a fun little holiday movie on Netflix. It was a made-for-Netflix movie, but again, you can see Kurt Russell playing Santa Claus. He looks like Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, so... <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Kurt Russell. <laughs> but this was a this was a pretty fun episode, uh, Christmas episode for the Adams family. I think it's the only one that we'll get because we're only we only got like what thirteen episodes left. Yes, this is the only one. Okay, so we've had two Halloween episodes, a Christmas episode, even though they don't exactly worship Christ. Adams family well, Christmas. I, I, I do have Chris- to say though. What, what, uh, I do have to say though, they did sing "Deck the Halls," which is a pagan Christmas song. They didn't sing any. Uh, Christian Christmas songs. Right. It's also funny when the Flintstones celebrate Christmas because you're like, what the fuck? When the hell does this happen? <laughs> yeah, that was. In regards to Christ. <laughs> is this after Christ or. Well, Christmas does predate Christ. Right. Was, but, but okay, the... we're not going to get into that when it comes to like. All right, money. all right. I won't get into Christmas history. Okay. The point is. It's just sometimes funny when things like the Adams family do Christmas when they're not exactly very, um, you know, the the typical kind of family. So it, it's rather unique that they know Santa Claus and all that stuff. You think they would have like a different holiday? Like on Sabrina, they celebrate whatever the Satanic Christmas is. Satanic Christmas. Okay, I I have not seen Sabrina, so I don't know what that's referring to. It. Between, Satanic Christmas would not be Yule. Between seasons one and two, there was a. Uh, anti-Christmas episode. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Good episode overall. Very holiday-ish with the 60s. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah, there are two callbacks to actual Charles Adams cartoons. Um, and I, I will just name them really quick. When the kids are uh, stoking the fire for Santa's arrival, the quote from the cartoon, or the the actual illustration, is, oh, uh, they still believe in Santa Claus. So that was not said in the episode, but um, the impl- it, it's implied. And then in another cartoon, it shows the Adams Family Christmas tree being bare, 
bare branches and the ornaments hanging on those branches. So they did accurately represent the Adams Family Christmas tree as Morticia was decorating it in the very beginning of the episode. And that's all the notes I got. And that's all the notes I have as well. These are two great episodes. Just so everyone's aware, we're coming up on the 100th episode of this podcast. And we'll uh, let you know uh, when that is. We don't have anything big planned for it because we're kind of at the end of this show. So it would be great if it tied into the beginning of the next show we're doing, which is going to be uh, a brief little um, uh, We promise. Jump. Be tiny, tiny. It'll be very tiny because it's it's it's... The show only had two broadcast episodes, and the rest went right to DVD. So, <laughs> um, but we're going to bang them out very quickly, uh, tied into the release of Jay and Silent Bob Redo, uh, and then we'll be taking a little bit of a break to start Witchblade. So, um, hopefully that all kind of ties together the way I wanted to, because I think it will, I'm thinking we'll do a bit of a break between Clerks and Witchblade by a few weeks. Okay. Just yeah, kind we, of we've actually been we've been going on this pretty hot and heavy to get through the Adams family. Well, that started because of Friday the thirteenth. Yes. <laughs> so blame Mr. Zeneca for two shows that just went on and 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 on. Although I have to say it's been very fun to research Charles Adams and get that information to you guys. You know, the the focus area today about Adam's dog, you know, that's really pretty fun to listen to so yeah i've been i've been enjoying it but yeah the doing it every week is a pretty breakneck pace for us yeah so when we get to witchblade it will be back to a every other week i i think we'll still be able to do two episodes but they will be every other week and not every week so uh i think if we do one episode we'll be on witchblade for like a year (laughs) yeah (laughs) because it's 22 weeks because you know you divide cut the the number of weeks in half and the number of episodes that are of Witchblade, which is very short, but we would be on it for the entire year if we did one episode a week. So we're not going to do that. It'll be two episodes, but it'll be um, every two weeks. Anyway. Long and story hopefully sh- we'll get a, a guest long- star for Witchblade. Who knows? Yes. We're trying. We will, we will have guest stars for Witchblade from Witchblade comic books and such. So um, Matt Hawkins, who came on my show recently, actually worked on the Witchblade anime show. Uh, so we might actually, you know, talk about the anime show as well for a brief moment too. So the anime show is, let's just say, very anime Witchblade compared to the TV series, where you could not put that actress in that <laughs> costume. Whereas the anime show, Jesus Christ, every five minutes it is a tit joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Mom, my boobs are gonna be as big as yours one day. Oh, they're not that big. It's like, wow, this sounds like porn. (laughs) Just barely over the line. (laughs) A little bit. Anyway, so that's all the time we have here on the Dead TV Podcast. Check us out on Facebook at the Dead TV Podcast. You can also check us out on the fan club page for the Adams Family. Adams Family fan page or fan group, what is it called? Uh, Adam's family. Oh, I don't know the name of that group. <laughs> okay, so there's a group on the uh, Facebook for uh, fans of the Adam's family. We post there as well, and you can find us on individual Twitters at Christy Sav and at Elegantly Kinky, or send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail dot com. Or don't forget to also you can rate us on iTunes, uh, the Dead TV Podcast, Stitcher, and Google Play. And you, thank you, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> or happy Labor Day, depending on when you're listening to this. Right? Yeah, actually, this will be posted just before Labor Day weekend. So, and Mr. Zenek will be at Gen Con, so if you see her there, say hello. What are you going to be dressed as? So, it's meant to be a surprise, but I'll tell it, you all. Uh, if you see me at Dragon Con, I will be the Momo Lisa. 
Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, check out the Dead TV Podcast Facebook page for more of Mistress Zeneca's updates about Gen Con and any Adams Family stuff that happens to be happening there or that she happens to see as well because we are inching closer to the movie. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.